You're listening to The Heart of It Podcast. My name is Sam Smeltzer, and I'm an HR intuitive and healer. In this podcast, we'll chat about what the industry of human resources can make possible for people and our organizations. In each episode, we'll have raw conversation around inner development and organizational culture change to create a working world where both people and organizations thrive. Thank you for listening. Now let's get this episode started. The day after. At the time, I couldn't help it. I started to blame myself, thinking maybe I'd brought this upon myself. I was too pretty, or maybe I had worn my skirt too short. I was asked to be followed, taunting them to try something. For the next few days, I took alternate paths home, and when I finally resumed my normal walk, I never saw that car again. Despite realizing the perpetrator had given up, I was still left with an internal feeling of helplessness and a deep-rooted fear of what might happen the next time. Did I want to continue living as a walking, talking temptation to see who would next pursue me? When I started high school, I selected an all-girls private school much farther away than my previous school. I was left with no choice but to use public transportation or else not get home. Riding L.A. County public transit provided me with a whole wealth of new unwanted attention. This served as further assurance that I didn't want to be pretty anymore. I mean, the only true benefit of being attractive was to help my singing career, which everyone had made perfectly clear was not going to happen, so why should I stay beautiful? To find a man? No thank you. I would be perfectly content without one. This marked the beginning of a practice that would be extremely indicative of what was to come for me. Every day I stopped at the Savon Foods, a local convenience store by my house. I would save just enough for my lunch money to buy a king-size Snicker bars to eat during my last few blocks home. Now sure, a king-size candy bar won't kill you or make you immediately fat, but one a day over a year will begin to take a toll. That success was confirmed by my father just before our family made a cross-country move to Pennsylvania. My first lesson in exposure. Have you ever been in a training session or attended a presentation and listened to the speaker's examples thinking, how silly, that one never happened? These examples usually get a chuckle from the audience because they sound completely unrealistic. Well, when I first brought the slide edge philosophies into my classroom and shared the concept of time promoting and exposing us, the example I pointed to was my decision to eat a king-size Snickers candy bar every day. Because one day, time exposes our habit and someone is going to call us out on it. It was a normal day at home and everyone was doing their thing. My father and mother were out in the backyard, casually conversing as always. I was inside the house going about my business when I needed to make a pit stop at the restroom. The bathroom was at the back of the house and its window was always cracked open to let the California sunshine and air in. Not only did it let in sunshine and air, but also it carried backyard conversations like a microphone. My parents had made the decision that we would be relocating across the country to Pennsylvania. 
The transition would take about a year because they didn't want to pull me or my brother out of school midway through the year. So the topic of moving and transition was a popular one. But in this conversation, I heard my father say, I hope when we get there that Sam gets more active again. She's starting to put on some weight. A hurt, shocked, and hormonal 14-year-old, I simply yelled out the window, I can hear you, you know. There was never any follow-up to that comment. My family carried on as if nothing had happened. I mean, I wasn't surprised, but that day I went from beautiful to bigger. And I was a size 5. When we moved to Pennsylvania, I didn't get more active. In fact, it went in the polar opposite direction. At the age of 15, I felt alone, and so I isolated myself accordingly. On the rare occasion that I did venture out, I discovered that the food selection was very different. Instead of smoothie and trendy coffee shops to hang out at, there were annual fairs and small-town diners full of fried foods loaded with butter. After a cross-country plane ride, the equation of my life went from active plus feel-good food equals beautiful to no activity plus fried food equals bigger. In that first year alone, I went from a size 5 to a size 9, and the comments regarding the growth of my waistband increased. Coincidentally, the comments were not coming from those I was befriending, but from those whom I loved and treasured the most. The Return of the Closet Dream I decided to enter college to pursue music. My closet dream was clearly out now, but only partially exposed due to paralyzing fear. I never let anyone see quite exactly what music meant to me. Nevertheless, I did at least get myself to the point of trying. I spent the last two years of high school immersed in accelerating music lessons in hopes that I could pass the basic audition levels required for admission. I also picked a music school in the middle of nowhere. This seemed contradictory since the culture shock of small town York, Pennsylvania, but still not worn off, had still not worn off. I could have gone back to sunny California, but instead I stayed, choosing this particular school out of comfort. If I had made up an elaborate story inside my head that if I pursued music in a little town, I had made up an elaborate story inside my head that if I pursued music in a little town, that the competition would be less. And as a result, it would increase the likelihood of my dream actually coming true. But this was quickly proven wrong on audition day at campus. While we were sent to a long row of tiny rooms containing nothing more than a piano and stool, I sat there at the piano alone with my mother, and around me I heard some of the most beautiful voices warming up and running scales. I began to hyperventilate. I couldn't calm myself. What was I doing there? I didn't belong there. Needless to say, I didn't warm up before my audition. I instead attempted to calm myself enough just so I could sing and hopefully not go flat or sharp. I was so nervous, it was almost paralyzing. My mother attempted to reassure that I had some sort of talent making me feel deserving to be there, but this cheerleading was coming from someone who used to laugh at my dream. I made it through the audition, not perfect by any means. I forgot the words to my second song, but managed to do a bouncing staccato um to the notes almost perfectly, and after the day was over, I was told they were going to accept me. 
this college in a small, small town was going to allow me to pursue a degree in music with elective studies and business. To me, business was a safety net in case I truly couldn't sing or wasn't good enough as a performer, that maybe I could find somewhere to be in the magical world of music business, be a part of it in some way. It truly is all I have ever wanted or dreamed of. The reality of music education set in very quickly. The necessary amounts of time needed to dedicate to practicing tripled for me since I had the least amount of formal training. Most of my peers had been studying their instruments since early childhood. I was still terrified and tried to find a practice time when the music building was not so populated so I could practice without fear of being mortified if only the practice rooms were soundproof. I struggled in all my classes. It was a mixture of intimidation and just having a lower foundation of training than the others. I even took some remedial music classes, which I actually did pretty good in. So that gave me hope. Despite the large amount of apprehension that I still harbored, deep down it was pure joy that warmed my heart to finally be in a place pursuing my dream. As far as socially, I clicked with a few of my peers, but not really. Instead, I developed most of my close friends outside the music program. I was looking for some sort of comfort, some sort of comforting distraction outside my academic career, somewhere where I didn't feel not good enough. The few students who I did click with didn't stay very long and eventually dropped out after the first few semesters. Despite all my struggles, I was passing, even if barely, and for a while, it all seemed possible. I could graduate with a music degree as a vocal major. Then came the sight singing. Every test was a repeat of audition day. They should teach Nervous Nelly 101. It didn't matter how much I practiced. On test day, I became paralyzed with terror and my singing became erratic and not in tune or on rhythm. I didn't fail, but I received the equivalent of a D, which was not passing in the requirements for my degree. I took the class twice, receiving the same grade both times. It was then that I knew I couldn't do this. Run away. I had a decision to make. Continue to attempt to pass sight singing one, and then later attempt to pass sight singing two, three, and four. If I chose this path, I knew I would have to kiss goodbye any graduation date expectation. I would have to focus on trying, practicing, and never giving up. But the fear was there whispering to me. What if you just can't do it? What if you take an extra two years and still don't pass? What if you waste all that money only to discover what you already know? You can't do it. You're not good enough. I decided to meet with the registrar and ask what other degree programs would take most of my current credits. I wanted to know what my options were that would set me back the least. Since I was obviously, since I obviously was already set back. Two programs were possible which would only result in one extra year for me to complete a degree. And I was going to get a degree. I'd spent too much time and too much money. I needed something to show for all that debt I would be paying back over the rest of my life. 
The fact that my current program had a minor in business meant all those credits would transfer. My vast music credits would simply populate and meet all elective degree requirements. My choices were a Bachelor of Science in Marketing or Management. My experience around campus showed that the marketing program was a large one with a lot of people. On some days, it seemed like everyone was a marketing major. That brought to mind feelings once again of competition, and I wasn't ready to lose again. Therefore, I defaulted to management, and my college career became less of an experience and more of a checklist. As for singing, I stopped altogether. My vocal teacher encouraged me not to give up, but I was beyond traumatized. The idea of ever exposing myself again like that was unbearable. In addition, the extra year of schooling I needed meant I couldn't afford the lessons or the time. Being proactive, I started the process of transferring to your college and planned to move home. This was the final step to officially end my so-called college life. Any relationships I had established were left behind, only to return to a city where I barely had any friends to start with. When I arrived at your college, I had one objective, pass every class and get the degree. I had been working at the local home improvement store during the summers. Now I was back home. I could work with them year-round. I increased my hours as well, since I didn't really have anything else to do besides school. Quickly, I became a full-time student with pretty much a full-time job, and I lived simply going through the motions. Moments of Discomfort If you didn't feel uncomfortable reading that scenario, I want you to know that living it was extremely uncomfortable. If we were to go back to the philosophy shared in the slide edge, we'd learn that actions which begin in discomfort eventually transform to a place of comfort. This is an attribute typically associated with an upward curve or success curve. However, when these moments lessened in discomfort for me, the transformation to comfort was sort of a contradiction. Though I was successful, by definition, to an outward world, Inside, I felt a long way from my personal definition of success. The story of going from discomfort to comfort, for me, was much more like beauty to beast. Exposed in this chapter. The concept of being comfortable can be ridiculous. Number two, as children, we are told we can achieve anything. When exactly does that possibility disappear? Number three, Unrealistic stories that easily get a chuckle may hold a very uncomfortable truth. Number four, fear whispers can be the sole cause for a massive detour. And number five, your personal definition of success is what actually matters.